This is a very quick video about Agile. What exactly is it? I asked ChatGPT and Bard what Agile was, and they got it resoundingly wrong. Let me read what Bard spat out. Bard said, Agile is a project management methodology. Right out of the gate, it's wrong. It's not a project management anything. Secondly, Agile is not a methodology. This is where a lot of folks get it wrong. Agile is one thing, and one thing primarily above everything else. Agile is a mindset. That's right, you heard it from me, because a lot of folks get this wrong, and I've taken it upon myself to create this video to let you know Agile is not a methodology. It's not a framework. It's a mindset. It's a mindset that enables you pivot to the ever-changing world around you. A mindset refers to a person's mental attitude, their perspective, or a set of beliefs that shape their thoughts, their behaviors, and their actions. So agile is a mindset that helps shape your response to problems, to projects, to product development and the world around you. In fact, Agile is a mindset that enables you adapt to anything that changes in the world around you. Let's read what ChatGPT spat out as well. ChatGPT says, Agile is a project management and product development methodology. Ah, wrong. It's amazing how much stuff there is out there that is totally wrong about Agile and the poor GPT and Bard end up mimicking these wrong statements about Agile. So I want to make it very clear. Agile is not a framework. Agile is not a methodology. Agile is not a project management approach. It's a mindset. Please remember that. To underscore what we have discussed so far, I'll make available a quick download to remind you about what Agile is. So here on the screen, you can see the Agile manifesto is going to be broken down into easy to understand chunks. So let's take a read. It says Agile is firstly a mindset of adaptability. It is the ability to rapidly respond to the unending change around you with nimbleness to succeed even while in uncertain and chaotic environments. Here is the Agile Manifesto. The Agile Manifesto values and principles help you to better position yourself from an Agile perspective. I want to make it clear that the Agile Manifesto values and principles are not the only statements that are of an Agile nature, obviously, so you can mold and adapt what you're reading to your own unique circumstance. It says, individuals and interactions over processes and tools. In other words, value individuals and interactions over processes and tools. Value working software over comprehensive documentation. Value customer collaboration over contract negotiation and value responding to change over following a plan. 
When you're able to value these things, you are on your way to becoming more agile. And I want to say this, that you can always be more agile as you work your agile game. Agile is not something that you suddenly are. It is a process of becoming more agile. Agility develops daily, not in a day. Trust me, I got certified as a certified Scrum Master in 2011. But every day I find new ways of being more agile in my thought process and in the way I respond to the world around me. So individuals and interactions, working product, customer collaboration, responding to change, value these things. Going a step further, we have the Agile Manifesto principles. And if you want to learn more about this, go to agilemanifesto.org, read the history of the Agile Manifesto, and better understand the Agile values and principles. The summary of this is, be obsessed with satisfying the customer. That's number one. It says, our highest priority is to satisfy the customer through early and continuous delivery of valuable software. Now, Agility understands that it is better to deliver value as quickly as possible so your customer can begin to realize the benefits of whatever value you have provided, as opposed to a more predictive approach where you plan everything up front, then you do everything up front, then you deliver one thing at the end of that timeline, whereas you could have delivered in smaller increments and allowed your customer to begin realizing the benefits. Think about it like this. Someone's at the side of the road, they're almost dying of hunger, and then you say, well, let me go prepare a three-course meal. Well, maybe by the time you get done with the third course, that poor person's already dead. You might as well give them a tiny increment first. Hey, here's some water. Or here's the first course. Then while they're recuperating, getting the value from that, you bring the second. It's a rather vivid illustration, I know. <laughs> Probably not my best. But that is pretty much what the first Agile Manifesto principle states. Secondly, welcome changing requirements even late in development because you're going to help your customer if those are value-added changes. Deliver working products frequently to keep your customer engaged, number one, to begin to offer value even more rapidly, number two, and three, to get earlier feedback so that you can put that back into the process and get even better. Number four, Business people and developers must work together daily throughout the project. It's not a life sentence. It just means if you are being agile, consider rapid and frequent interactions. Number five, build projects around motivated people. Why would you build a project around a demotivated team? So you've got to keep your team motivated by giving them the environment and support they need, not meddling or micromanaging. Number six, the most effective method of conveying information to and within any team is face-to-face -face conversation. I was reminded about this just last week. I was training a group of people 
out in a firm, and I hadn't trained out for a long time because of the pandemic. And I realized all of the concepts that I was trying to bring to the table, the world of Scrum, the world of Agile, the world of predictive stuff, it was so much easier. I didn't even need a whole lot of slides or books or text because being face-to-face -face is magical. When you communicate face-to-face, -face, it's magical. Things are a lot clearer than they were if they were just text, or if they were just voice. It's been proven time and time again. Number seven, working products are the primary measure of progress. Your customer really doesn't care if you're 55% done or 90% done. They ultimately care if you are done, if you are done and dusted. That's when they get value from the product. So we say in the world of Agile, working products. That's the primary measure of progress. Now you gotta remember the Agile Manifesto was written from a software perspective, but it's caught like wildfire taking the world by storm and now everyone thinks agile across industries. Now, not literally everyone, but every industry is beginning to consider more agile ways of doing things. Let's move on. It says, agile processes promote sustainable development. The sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain a constant pace indefinitely. And this is a type of business process reengineering, if you will, to become more predictable and to really consider work-life balance, it's actually loaded. Because if you are sustainable in your pace, it means you're not trying to do the impossible. You're not trying to kill the team with overtime constantly because that's not sustainable. Secondly, you're thinking about empiricism because you want data that is realistic and that you can take back and use across your projects, across your products. Let's move on to number nine, continuous attention to technical excellence and good design enhances agility. What happens when you're not technically excellent? Waste, scrap, rework, that's not being agile. That is going back to the drawing board over and over and over again, or going back to the operations table over and over and over again. That's not what we want. We wanna be able to do things one time, put in a lot of thought, a lot of effort, Consider what you're doing sensibly and get it done as technically excellent as possible. And if you need to reiterate, it's okay. But at least you're not reiterating just because you put in sloppy work. You're reiterating because you've discovered a better way of doing things. And that's okay because that is agile. But doing busy, repetitive work because you did a bad job, a less than ideal job, is not being agile. Number 10, simplicity, the art of maximizing the amount of work not done is essential. All we're saying is keep it as simple as possible. Do the bare minimum work that will give you the most value. Number 11, the best architectures, requirements, and designs emerge from self-organizing teams. It's been proven time and time again that when you give the team that space and allow them to come up with their solutions to the problem, because after all, you hired adults, you will get the best output. You will get the best outcome. You will get the best result. Number 12, this is Kaizen. And all this is saying is 
constantly reflect, tweak things up, pivot in the right direction if you are off course. That is all about Kaizen and the concept of retrospectives. Kaizen is constantly improving yourself as a team, your processes, your procedures. In the same token, we have an event called a retrospective. And the retrospective allows us to retrospect, to take a look in the rearview mirror and to ask a question, what can we do better? How can we get even better next time? So my friends, as you've seen from the past number of minutes, Agile is not a framework, it's not a methodology. It's a mindset first and foremost, okay? So we've got that out of the way. Now we've gotten that out of the way, let's begin to reflect on how Agile could be demonstrated in the way we work. One of the ways that we work in the world of Agile is to break things into iterations and the delivery of whatever product or service or result into increments. This is encapsulated in a number of Agile-oriented frameworks. Do you get where I'm going with this? You can have frameworks that are of an Agile nature, but Agile in and of itself is not frameworks. It's not methodology. It's not about practices, first and foremost. It's about thinking, it's about attitude, it's about behavior. When the behavior is well understood and you have these concepts straight, then we can begin talking about the practices. Then we can begin talking about how things are in a more pragmatic way. Talking about execution now. So why don't we jump into a little bit of dialogue about how it works in Scrum. So you're going to hear me talk about Scrum for a little bit. And Scrum is a framework, a framework that allows you to apply Agile practices to work. So let's jump into a little bit of that. Agile as a mindset, but demonstrated in the lens of Scrum. So jumping in, you are now aware that it's a mindset, okay? The great quote, from Jack Welch on the screen, it says, change before you have to. And what is Jack saying here? He's saying, always be ready to adapt. And Agile is all about adapting. This concept of adaptability is nicely summarized 
in this framework that I'm about to show you. And the framework is known as Scrum. Scrum has a 353 configuration. I'm going to go through this configuration with you. In the world of Scrum, there are, there are three roles, five events, and three artifacts. The roles, as you can see at the top right, are known as the product owner, the scrum master, and you could say development team, or you could just say developers. There are various names you're going to hear in industry when it comes to these, depending on where you are, but if you go back to the mothership, which is the Scrum Guide, it is known as developers. So we have the product owner, the Scrum Master, and the developers. The very first part of this discussion starts off with the product backlog. This is the backlog of what needs to be done or the requests that the customers or stakeholders have begun to float up to the product owner. That's the first role. The product owner is that role that understands the business and knows what the customers want and why and the value that that will bring to the larger organization or them as individuals. The product backlog is populated all throughout. It's not a one-time thing. The next piece of this discussion is understanding that you could have a huge backlog of stuff to do, but you need to get moving with it, doing it, right? And the way the product backlog is tackled is in iterations. We break down the work in such a way that we get a chunk of it and we do it within a time box called an iteration. And then at the end of that iteration, we get an increment of the overarching product. Not all of the products, just an increment. And the idea is to get many little increments along the way that when you add them up, you get the final product. So the very first step is to have a sprint planning event. In this world of Scrum, we have a sprint planning event. And this is where the team breaks down into more clarity what is to be done in the sprint. A proactive team will not get to sprint planning and begin to do all of this, typically. Some of it might have been done in advance, but this is a good catch-all for any decomposition and any precision in breaking down what is in the backlog and determining whether it can be done in a sprint. As a result, you're going to get a sprint backlog. The sprint backlog is a subset of the product backlog. It contains what we're going to get done in the sprint. The sprint is anywhere from one to four weeks. So you could say four weeks or less because you could actually have sprints that are a few days. 
It's not impossible. So the sprint is four weeks or less. Every day of the sprint, the team has an event known as a daily scrum. In the business world, it's referred to as a daily stand-up meeting. But in the daily scrum, the team gets on the same page, they sync up, they understand what is being done so that they can better adjust their work schedule and plan accordingly so that if there are any dependencies in the work, it is all going to be synchronized effectively. Okay. Now going back to the discussion about the product backlog and the sprint backlog, in here you could have customer-oriented requests. It could be a request for anything. It could be a request for a feature. It could be a request for a sub-part of the work. In the world of Agile, it is common to see teams use the concept called user stories. And a user story is a request that is customer-oriented that breaks the request down in a specific format of role, goal, benefit. It's usually written in the form of, as a, I would like, so that. I'll show you an example. Now, stories don't all have to be written like this, but it's a good starting point. So, role. The role for the story. The goal. What the user is trying to accomplish. And the benefit. Why the user wants to accomplish it. So, you could have, as a customer, I want to create a profile so that I don't have to fill in the information again when I make a purchase. So you can see this right here is a good story. The one on the further end is a poorly written story. The other one just reads, as a customer, I want to create a profile so that I can have an account. Well, that doesn't really tell me the value, so it's not a very well-written story. So it's not enough to just write it in role goal benefit format. It needs to be written with some thought. But that is how a user story could be written. There are a number of examples that Mike Cohn, Agile Guru, has, and I want to show you a few of those examples. Well, here are some from Mike. As a site member, I can search for profiles based on a few fields, so I can find others I might want to connect with. You can see the role goal benefit idea there. Let's look at number three. As a site member, I can mark my email address as private, even if the rest of my profile is not, so that no one can contact me. Privacy. You can see where this is going. To understand a little bit more about stories, I would encourage you to look out for Mike's site. It's Mountain Goat Software, and he has a number of examples like this that will help you understand user stories. But I also want to make it clear that user stories are not mandatory in Scrum. You do not have to use user stories in Scrum. So, going back to our discussion about Scrum as a framework. In the daily Scrum, it is common for teams to ask three questions, and it's a very good starting point for beginning teams, for young teams. And the three questions could go something like this. What did you do yesterday? 
to move us towards our sprint goal. Because every sprint should have some direction, right? It could be in the form of a goal. Maybe the goal is to get the graphical user interface design completed, or maybe it's to actually have developed the graphical user interface, and things such as that. Maybe it is to have written chapter one of the documentation, whatever that looks like. But there is a goal, and in the daily scrum, the team needs to one by one, developers, by the way, not the product owner, not the scrum master, just the developers, they give an account as far as what they did yesterday to propel towards the sprint goal, what they are going to do today to move towards the sprint goal, and if there are any impediments. Impediments are things that may block your way, that may slow you down, so we talk about impediments, obstacles, and blockers. And if the scrum master is in attendance, the scrum master could record these in instances where the Scrum Master is not in attendance, these could be recorded somewhere else, but communicated to the Scrum Master for action. So enter the Scrum Master. The Scrum Master's role is to understand how Scrum is best practiced and to coach the team in how to implement and practice Scrum properly. So what did you do yesterday to move us towards the sprint goal? What are you going to do today to move us towards the sprint goal? Are there any impediments? Three questions. Now, it doesn't have to be three questions. Some teams could decide to walk the board. And that means using a Kanban board. What is a Kanban board, you might say? Well, a Kanban board is from the world of Kanban, where we have three columns or more, depending on your unique project or your unique work. But it looks something like this, right? We have a to-do and in progress we could also add in a review stage and done so that's how the board could look to do doing done we could also make the board even simpler like this could be a to do doing done and the items one two three and four are stories or requests that we're working on so the idea about walking the board is to talk about the items that are in the doing column and those that are closest to being done, we want to know those so that we can actually help whoever is working on them, if need be, to get those to done, especially if they've been in that silo for a very long time. So you could use to do doing done, or your Kanban board may look a little bit more like what I just showed you, which has more fields. So we talk about what is closest to being done and any obstacles. For example, that yellow story under review, perhaps something is holding that back. We will talk about that in terms of the person who is working on that and give any updates as far as where that story is because it might have been in the queue for a very long time. But we can talk about what is holding that from being done or perhaps everything's going well and you're just working it and you could give your account. Remember, the daily scrum is not a status meeting, so that is important to remember that in all of this, the purpose is to sync up. It's not to give 
status. It's not to say, hey, where you at with this in a threatening or coercive way. It's not about that. It's really just to sync up and understand. But let's move on. I have other videos about that on the channel. The next thing I want to talk about is backlog refinement, which is an informal practice or event, if you wanted to call it that, where in the middle of the sprint, the team members get together with the product owner and they decompose, they flesh out, they refine what is in the backlog. They refine it so that when they get to the next sprint, they already have stories that have been cleaned up and are, if you will, ready. Now, in the Agile community, there's a lot of consternation in some circles about the definition of ready. And to be quite honest, I don't see anything wrong in the definition of ready because if a team is using it with all sincerity to get clarity and to get their process to be more efficient, there's nothing wrong in a definition of ready. But what is a definition of ready? It's probably best encapsulated in the acronym INVEST. And INVEST just means a story should be I for independent, independent of all others, as much as possible, right? N for negotiable. It shouldn't be a specific contract for features. It shouldn't be one of those, the system shall, the system will, the system must. It should be valuable or vertical, that story. In the example I showed you, I showed you a useless story and I showed you a useful story, right? Should be estimable, should be small enough to fit within a sprint, and it should be testable. So when we talk about the definition of ready, we as Agilists don't want to get to our sprint planning and have to do all this decomposition and cleaning up because you may not be able to. Again, it's on a team-by-team -team basis. I don't begrudge any team that doesn't do backlog refinement with the product owner. It's something the product owner should do individually. But because it could also be a great way of team collaboration, and insights from the team for the product owner, there could be some discussion around it. So we have backlog refinement. That could happen, doesn't have to. And then the next thing we have here is the potentially shippable increment, also known as increment, just plainly as the increment. We derive the increment at the end of the sprint. Now, another term that we use in the world of Agile is the definition of done. That increment should meet the definition of done. But what is the definition of done? The definition of done refers to a set of criteria on a team-by-team -team basis that the team determines things that need to be in place or done before we can say an increment is indeed the definition of done is an agreed-upon set of items that must be completed before an increment is considered completed. For example, you could say testing must occur, unit testing must occur, user acceptance testing must have taken place and is acceptable. You could say documentation is complete. You could say all the acceptance criteria for every story has been met. And that takes us to another 
puzzle in Agile, the difference between acceptance criteria and the definition of done. The definition of done pertains to the increment. Acceptance criteria pertains to a user story. So when we write a user story back in the day when this was a more manual thing, we would write the story in the front of a an index card and the back of an index card will have the acceptance criteria. And the acceptance criteria could be written in the form of given, when, then, but it doesn't have to be that, it could be. You could write acceptance criteria like in this example. Let's zoom in. And let me take myself out because I might be blocking your view. When we take a look at the acceptance criteria, it says username at least six characters. Password must contain number and capital letter. That's acceptance criteria. You could say, given that the password should be six characters at least, when I try to set up an account with five characters, then I expect to be refused. Expect my request to not go through. You could say, given that a password must contain a number and capital letter, when I try to set up a password with three letters, no number, no capital letter, I should be locked out or I should not be allowed to set up the account. Or as far as the lockout, when I try to log in four times, when given that the lockout should fail after the third attempt, when I try to log in four times, then I expect to be locked out of the system. That is a general idea. So I know it's a lot of content to go over in a very short video, my friend, but these are the subtleties that are often not talked about in the world of Agile. So the definition of done, I've talked about. The definition of ready, I also talked about. And I've also talked about acceptance criteria that is for each story, whereas the definition of done is for the increment. Let's tidy up our discussion about Scrum, and then we'll be done. So going back to our discussion about Scrum as a whole. The final things that happen is, one, there's a sprint review, and this is an opportunity for the team to get feedback from the stakeholders about the increment that has resulted from the sprint. This is also an opportunity to capture additional user stories or additional requests. Because remember, it doesn't have to be user stories. But I'll just use the concept of user stories generically. The final thing that should happen is the sprint retrospective. And the retrospective is an opportunity for the team to recalibrate, to look in the rearview mirror, to adjust, to make sure that everyone is aware of the approach go forward. Everyone's on the same page. If there are misalignments, they need to be discussed. And the team needs to look for improvements. And not just here, but constantly. They need to make that a Kaizen lifestyle. And there you have it, my friends. 
over the past several minutes, we've been expanding on the concept of Agile. This is from my training, Agile for Practitioners, which is from my course called the Project Management Masterclass. This is a course that could be helpful for people taking any exam. Project Management Professional, PSM, Professional Scrum Master, PSPO, Professional Scrum Product Owner. It's just the tip of the iceberg. But I really wanted to hammer home, my friends, today that Agile is not a methodology, it's not a framework. In one word, it is a mindset. Thank you very much for joining me. I wish you all the best on your Agile journey. If you've got questions, put them in the comments below. Bye for now. Don't forget to check out the website, praiseon.com, for more information about our training and also one-on-one -on -one help that we offer.